you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This Lenten season, we are studying the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, the Sacrament of the Altar, the Eucharist, the Mass. All of these different names for the very same thing. This, the Lord's body and blood, given in bread and wine for us Christians to eat and to drink. Tonight's focus is on the real presence, that is, Christ being truly present in his body and blood, not symbolically, not spiritually, but sacramentally for us. So I suppose, as I said earlier, this could be a very short sermon, but it could also be a very long one. It could be short in that, what is there really to say about this? Jesus himself is very clear. He says, this is my body and this is my blood of the New Testament. From these foundational words, we find that he is very clear. Nothing is to be mistaken, nothing to be construed. It's simple. Jesus said that this bread which he broke and blessed was his body and this cup filled with the fruit of the vine, true wine, was his very blood, and that the apostles that he sent out were to deliver this sacrament to all those that they gathered together in the church. It's simple. And yet, this very doctrine concerning the Lord's Supper is one of the foremost things which divides church bodies all around the world. Do you believe that it is symbolic, they will ask me? Do you believe that it represents Christ's body and blood? And to which I answer, no, it is the body and blood of Christ. Truly because of these plain and simple words that our Lord uses. Human reason, though, tries to use figures of speech in order to misconstrue, pervert, and twist these plain and natural words that our Lord uses. But there is seriously just one true meaning, that it is his actual body and blood under the bread and the wine. But reason cannot be so easily overcome. It will not accept what it does not understand, and so it creates absurd, unconvincing, and contradictory things, again, to evade, to escape the natural and clear meaning of these words. Martin Chemnitz, that I was studying this week around the Lord's Supper, teaches it in such a way by bringing about a very wonderful Old Testament example He says, consider Abraham. Abraham is known in the New Testament from Romans as the father of all the faithful. You might remember that it is Lazarus that Jesus says was taken to the bosom of Abraham, meaning this place a spiritual paradise. But in the Old Testament, God made a promise to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. But Abraham thought on these words and he said, but I don't have a son of my own. 
Eleazar of Damascus shall be the heir of my household. But the Lord said, no, no, one from your own flesh, from your own body shall be your heir. And Sarah, or Sarai at the time, shall conceive and she shall be fruitful with a son. Abraham at first believed these words. The Lord counted it to him as righteousness. But that does not mean that at times in these years that were to follow, he would not be incapacitated by his reason and so try many other ways in which to bring about the Lord's promise. Abraham struggled with it. Was he to take this literal? His wife Sarai could not but help herself from thinking that the Lord could have considered this an adopted son. And so years after this promise, seeing that she had still not yet conceived, she said, here is my servant Hagar, take her. And Abraham listened to the voice of his wife, went into Hagar and she conceived a son and which is named Ishmael. Now, What happened? The Lord came to Abraham again. What are you doing? I told you that you were going to be the father of many nations, that it would be one from your own flesh, that Sarah would conceive. The Lord repeated again his promise. He had made a covenant with Abraham He was going to fulfill these words, but Abraham's reason struggled with this. He fell down on his face and laughed at this word of the Lord. He said, I am about a hundred years old and Sarah 90. How is this going to happen? It was also that we find that Sarah heard again these words of the Lord, and she herself laughed at this word of God. For she knew she had been barren her entire life. The Lord had closed up her womb. How was she going to give Abraham a son at 90 years old? How was he at 100 years old still going to have seed to give to her? They had to trust in God. This was what reason could not understand. It was not that the body is necessarily physically able to do these things, but it is God who makes the promise and can open and close the womb, can give fruitful seed and bear a son, even to the old. And so God responded to both Abraham and to Sarah, in the laughter of their hearts, he said to them, Is anything too hard or impossible for God? That's the question. That's what we must ask ourselves. When we are embattled faith against reason, reason against faith, what are you going to rest your faith on? What you understand or in the clear words that God gives? There's only one right answer. It is faith rests on the words of God. 
St. Peter writes, he says that there is no prophecy of Scripture that is of man's own private interpretation. But men were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote. What we have before us is not this pure word of man, private interpretations. It is the word of God, established by the Holy Spirit. We have been given the words of the Lord to rest our faith on. And this makes all the difference. Because one should not and cannot devise different meanings or reject plain and simple, clear teachings to suit their reason. I don't say it is simple because we understand it. I say it is simple because is means is. Here, the Lord is clear as he is in the scriptures. But what happens? That it is often that we find when scripture prescribes something which is contrary to the practice of those who hear it, that they treat it as a figurative expression, writes Martin Chemnitz. He goes on to say, Likewise, if some erroneous notion has gotten into our minds first, regardless of what Scripture has asserted, men will think it's figurative. How did God overcome Abraham's reason? He didn't change the words. He kept repeating them plain and simple. He bore with Abraham's faithlessness and kept forgiving him when he would go about another way. And he kept repeating it time and time again for 25 years until the Lord brought forth his son that he promised him. What is it that Jesus does for us? In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and St. Paul all write the same thing. That this bread which Jesus took and broke, he gave it to the disciples saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in a similar way, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He did not say it metaphorically. He did not say, I am like the bread that I hold, and so therefore it is like my body, which is given for many. He said, this is my body, and do this in remembrance of me. And with the cup, He did not take the cup and say, my body is like the many crushed grapes that we all are together as one. He said, this is my blood of the new testament, the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. People consider that these words do not mean what Jesus would plainly have taught. They say that is cannot mean is, because how is it that a human body can be present in all these places at one time? 
Is must mean that it is spiritually Christ being present. And so they say that when the faithful goes up to the altar to partake, they do not receive Christ's body and blood in their mouth, but that faith ascends to heaven to receive Christ there. That would be the Calvinists or the Presbyterians. You have others who still yet twist it and say that is does not mean is. Is means that it represents. For Jesus elsewhere had said, I am the vine, I am the gate, I am the shepherd. And we do not consider him to be a literal vine or gate or shepherd. How can these things be metaphorical and yet the body and blood which we speak of here not follow in line? To which we respond, Jesus holds the bread, says this is, and he holds the cup and says this is. He had a physical object in his hand. He attached his words to that object and said that they bear repeating for as often as we came together that we should do this in remembrance of him. We cannot escape these clear and plain meanings of these passages which are before us from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul. One believes them not because they understand them, but because faith rests in the promises of God. Faith can rest in a mystery that is not understood, even though reason says it should be. But then again, how else would we continue on in the faith if we had to have an explanation for the things of God? Who among us can explain rightly this holy trinity in all its mystery? Who can explain a six-day creation of all things from nothing? Who can explain to me the regeneration in baptism from the death of trespasses to the life of forgiveness? Who can explain and reason all of these things so as to take away faith? No one can. But faith believes. Faith believes these mysteries because they have been clearly spoken by God. And that's where we find our rest. We hope in the promises of God. And when we get to heaven, if it is Christ who says to us, you took me literally at this, we will say, yes, Lord, because that is what you said. And there we shall find that our Lord will comfort us in saying that this truly was the right way a sacramental eating of his body and blood which gives life to the world. It took the Lord repeating himself to Abraham multiple times before it finally sank in. And so the Lord does the same with us, repeating these same words over and over again through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul, and by every pastor who comes forward to take the bread in his hand and to consecrate it and the wine, giving thanks to the Lord 
and bringing the Lord's words to rest upon the bread and the wine so that his body and blood be with it also. We do not need to look at any other passages of Scripture which do not deal with the Lord's Supper. We simply look at what Jesus says, and there we find faith's full assurance. We look at what Jesus has plainly said in these words, This is my body, this is my blood, and we believe it. And in faith we receive the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.